Welcome to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's guest is Green Chatton of Fontaine's DC. They're another exciting band from Ireland, and one unlike you've ever heard before. For the last few years, Fontaine's DC have been making a name for themselves by their combination of poetic lyrics that reflect on the world around them with such a strong foundation of true DIY punk ethos. A few weeks back, they played their first ever New York shows, completely sold out, super small, super sweaty, so many fucking people. And uh, they did this ahead of a marathon of shows at South by Southwest, which have gone exceptionally well. I linked up with the band's frontman outside of Brooklyn's Union Pool, and pretty much just got to the bottom of what the band is all about, what their songs are about, who they are, and what they hope to do with their music. You're listening to the 405 Exchange with Fontaine's DC. Enjoy. So, this is kind of funny because I think this is the first time I'll ever get a chance to start uh, an episode like this, but um, you were just in the middle of writing a new song before you came here, yeah? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of interesting. What's, what's it like? What's it like? Yeah, well, what, what this, what's this particular song? What's it been revealing itself to you so far? Um, it's kind of like, it was, it was written very subconsciously. Like all the kind of pieces, all the pieces of, of these tunes kind of come together in our heads at once, you know? Yeah. Um, like, no, no, no part is apparent unless, you know, we all have like parts to equip it with in our heads immediately as soon as we hear it, you know? So the songs kind of write themselves a lot of the time. This song is, uh, I have a, I have a, a real like serious issue with people being addicted to their phones and just social media in general. And um, I wouldn't like to write so crassly about that. You know, I think you can be you can you can be too crude about you know social issues like that. Yeah. So um, I think that this, this song is it, it accidental, well, not accidentally, but subconsciously is about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I've, it really gets me down the way people go on about social media. Just 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 seeing people kind of like geared out on their phones. You know. Yeah, it's just like it's just like the new heroin, like you know. It's a very strange thing too, and like I know what you mean because it's one of those things you could definitely feel like it almost feels cliche to harp about. But something that kind of goes along to what you're saying that I feel like something that I tend to struggle with is like, say like, a friend of mine posted something, and then they comment on it, and then there tends to be like a, a debate or an argument or something yeah. like that. Something that I find very uh, weird to deal with is like, say I see this friend later again out in the, out in the real world and they bring that uh, interaction up. I always find it trippy when like some interaction online gets brought into the real world. It's something that I find, I find difficult to wrap my head around. I think I, I, I feel the same. I think that uh, highlights a very important aspect of it, you know, which is that um, there's, there's, an, there's an ultimate level of disassociation involved yeah. in, in having a social media presence. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there is a, a version of you there that is different to the version of you here. You know? Yeah. It is, and, and that, that's why it's trippy because it's like a crossover episode between, you know, the the, the social media you and, and the real you. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so something I was keen on asking you about is like, you know, you always hear the bullshit of uh, guitar bands being dead. And one of the things that really made me excited when I heard your music was that it was in- immediately clear to me that you were a band that could not give a shit less about a conversation like that. I thought that was very refreshing, where yeah. it's like, clearly your band, clear music is just about you guys and what you do. Yeah. And I think it's kind of interesting how weirdly in 2019, that's almost like a statement in itself. 
That is pretty strange, yeah. I mean, I mean like, we're very, um, we, we you know, very much kind of have our own version of reality between ourselves, you know, so what, what happens beyond us is, uh, is well, was irrelevant anyway at the conception of the band, the initial conception of the band. And uh, we're kind of just trying to maintain that as we go along and not let any kind of external influences, you know, get involved, basically. So, um, yeah, like, it's, it's funny to be to be talking about, you know, guitar music being dead and stuff like that because it's just something that we don't think about at all. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we don't give a shit. Yeah. Mm. And is that kind of... Does that feel challenging at times? Like, being a group and, like, not letting the outside world influence you? Because I think what's interesting with your music and something I really latched on to, and a lot of people have put this in their own words, but I do feel it's very succinct, is that you guys are able to... <coughs> depict your surroundings in a very interesting way yeah. so it's kind of like this weird kind of dichotomy where you're kind of part of the world but also allow yourselves to stand outside of it is that kind of like being too i don't know overthinking in a way pointing it out that way have, have you read steppenwolf by herman hess i haven't no he's he kind of talks about that like he like he's he talks about being a man of, made of, of two parts one is, is the steppenwolf which is the the outsider the one that looks in you know from outside the window and then the other part of him that kind of does belong to that part and it's all about reconciling those two different parts the part of you that is the observer and the part of you that is the participant yeah. and uh, I think I think anyone that has that kind of uh, dichotomy between those two parts within themselves um, is is an artist you know because they they're they have to do something they have to do something in order, in order to feel like they they can kind of survive being outside of it and also sometimes feeling like they're part of it you know so I think that 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 sort of a uh, so where that sort of like interplay between those two aspects of yourself becomes art, you know. Yeah. Well, it's interesting in a lot of ways. That's kind of at the core of like what Fontaine's DC does. Do, would you say that's something that's not in like? Obviously, everything has intention. But would you say it's one of those things that's very innate when you get you guys together in a room and making music? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, we I think we all had that force within ourselves respectively and separately before we met started making music anyway that was definitely some you know that was definitely a big factor in, in, in us becoming friends and us relating to each other you know yeah and uh, that that was kind of the reason that we were into you know into poetry and into literature and uh, that became a fundamental blue as well yeah you know something i'm really interested to know about because you know anytime you hear people talk about your band they talk about the songwriting and the lyrics and the lyrics are obviously very important but mm. you know throughout my history being with bands it's usually that like the singer writes the lyrics brings them to like the studio and says this is what they are because of the nature of your band sounding within its core so collaborative it makes me wonder are the lyrics ever discussed amongst yourselves like discussed amongst the band like when you bring them forward Ge generally no but uh there's there's one tune on the on the album called Roy's tune just came out there the other day yeah uh, and uh, curly one of the guitarists he wrote pretty much all, like most of the lyrics for the song he, he wrote the main idea yeah. the lyrics for that song but yeah the, re the rest of it is me but um it would be kind of like you know often i kind of just have like a poem or a piece of writing that i feel like is important for me to express yeah and i kind of like bring that to the, to the band and kind of be like you know what what can we do with this you know how, how can we kind of um embellish this yeah. how, how can we like arm it you know with, with it with as much kind of force you know musical force as possible so that it's 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 poignant and pointed yeah well that's interesting to me you know um a few days ago we had uh wen young on the show oh cool yeah and we talked yeah. about you guys a bit uh they love your band by the way oh that was very nice yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great. and uh one of the things we <laughs> talked about was the importance of having a shared vision amongst a band and having mm -hmm. a sense of ethos um 
you know, I brought up the fact that people have been talking about your band a lot. I know that must be a weird thing to even hear, but you're at that kind of interesting stage where people are talking about you. Yeah, which yeah, is very yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. I think what comes with that is that sometimes people might infer and make guesses about what you're about, but then not get the sense to ask. So I bring this up. I brought it up to Wen Young, Wen Young as well because I figured it was relevant to them. What would you say, in your own words, is like the shared vision ethos amongst the band? Like, what do you feel is kind of at the core of what brings you guys together? Well, I think uh, I think the main thing is a, a search and a struggle for authenticity. I think it's. Um, I mean, we're. I'm, I, it's very difficult in this day and age, as it always has been, to uh, know who you are, you know, um, because there's so many, there's so many influences, and there's so, there's so much marketing, and there's so much kind of insidious and, 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 and subtle marketing, and and uh, there's, there's so many different kind of narratives that are kind of like trying trying to shape you as a person, and um, I think as well as it, as well as all that, part of the reason that we kind of aware of the idea of, of authenticity is because particularly in, in Ireland I think um, people often uh, smile when they don't mean it you know and uh, kind of uh, act, act politely and stuff like that and we, we kind of found within our art uh, a refuge within which we can be ourselves you know yeah. and um, so it's, it's all just a search for authenticity and, and self-expression I think it sounds like a very kind of privileged you know individuality and, uh, and, a, and a strong character is, is a privileged ideal something that, that very few people can afford to have, you know, they just don't have the the, um, the sort of amenities, like, you know, to, 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 to deal with that, to express that, to follow that. But um, we, allowed our, we, we allowed ourselves and allowed each other to do that, encouraged each other to do that. Yeah. So I think that's what it is. I think it's all about authenticity. And also the, the interest in, uh, in literature and stuff like that, we kind of just wanted to bring, we wanted to bring, um, a new level of depth to rock and roll, you know? Yeah. yeah. I hope it's not too <coughs> weird of a question to ask in reaction to what you just said, but I can't help but think this. But when you said just now about uh, individu individuality in itself kind of being somewhat of a privilege, I mean, that's a very true thing, but I feel like it takes so many people, most people I'd say, almost like a lifetime to arrive to that thought and kind of that reconciliation. What do you think it was that led you to realize that? Because I think that's actually a very interesting thing to have within your mind and to be aware of that individuality is um, a, a privileged ideal yeah I think it's it's because in order for us to uh, survive in order for us to, to kind of uh, to, to survive the mundanity of, of normal life um, you have to have an element of denial you have to you have to convince yourself that you mean the things that you say that you don't really mean with your heart you know um, you have to convince yourself that your, your job is okay you have to convince yourself that like you know your marriage is okay or, or your friends are okay and that you're getting enough kind of like uh, help you know mentally or whatever like that there's, there's all these things that you have to convince yourself that you are getting enough of otherwise if, if the if the problem um if, if the problem that you're having whether it be like you know a compromised individuality um if, if you realize that then you're absolutely fucked you know unless you uh unless you do something about it you know so i think i think i think the privileged people what am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is one. This could be an episode in itself. Just talking about that when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I basically just think that denial is necessary. Denial of the self is necessary for survival in the modern age. And I think uh, one has to have a very kind of comfortable life, where whether it be financial uh, or or a certain amount of like free time or wonderful friends that you know you can converse with fully. One has to have all of those things 
in order to be able to um, have the time and the energy to chase down yourself. You know? I would agree with that. I mean, I don't want to like simplify it and make it sound crude, but it's almost like that element of like the matrix in some ways, or at least in a very like kind of pragmatic, kind of tangible sense. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's just it's just a case of look. You know, I, I had to. Uh, I mean, we've, we've all done it. We've all had jobs where we have to act like we're really happy in front of customers or whatever it is. You know, it's a very weird experience. That like, yeah. not to cut you off, I just I think it's interesting how that's a very shared, typical human experience but you're never really prepared for it or never thought about it until yeah. you experience it yeah exactly like i have a lot of friends and a lot of family as well who i think have a lot to say but uh, they've never they've never felt like they've they've been allowed to give themselves a second to kind of actually like lift their head above the water and look where they are and decide whether they're happy or not because they have to keep swimming otherwise they'll drown you know that's the way these things are yeah because everything is grand for people who might not be familiar but like in ireland typically what people say is everything is grand yeah exactly yeah, yeah it's, it's grand it's yeah, not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly and it's funny because like we use words like deadly and words like savage to describe good things you know yeah it's almost like subconsciously we're saying that these things are bad but we said them with a smile so many times that they become positive words you know yeah. It's really nice hearing an Irish person like point that out because I've thought that for ages and like I've never heard that self-awareness being applied to it. Like, yeah, with you know the, the outsider looking in. Yeah. Uh, the first song of yours I heard was <coughs> "Too Real" and it's a track that really did instantly fucking grab me. Like within the second that I heard like you know the bass and the guitar just as it was going along and as it built like it really was like a fucking strong tune. It still is a strong tune. Salmon. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear about the experience he's had. Uh, that informed the writing of the song because obviously the lyrics are very uh, poignant in a lot of ways but they're also reflective in a way I think is quite specific and I'm, I'm just curious what led you to write that one um, I think it started with uh, the line the line came to me uh, none can pull the passion loose from youth's ungrateful hands when that line came to me I just uh, I got up and got to a guitar and I just wanted to find a way that I could put that into a song basically and the uh, the kind of chord progression and everything that came out of that was so uh, it just sounded like um, it sounded like a rainy night in Dublin to me immediately like you know the, the, the chord of C to the chord of E minor and then that, that riff that came over it and stuff and we kind of just um, it was a bit influenced by what we believe Finnegan's Wake to be like you know by James Joyce you know and that kind of like dream consciousness kind of thing so it's all kind of just it's basically like um, it's basically just trying to like distill a, a, this this weird abstract picture that we have in our minds of Dublin um, in the nighttime, where you know uh, trees are grown, grown from the grounds, the ground with like, you know with faces as as their fruit and stuff like that. But all these things kind of representing something. And, um, yeah, it's a bit bit of a crazy tune, but like there's just we found that like you know if you kind of um, if if you if you kind of uh, allow all these kind of crazy uh, visions to to come to the fore. Or, or if you just kind of express things through these crazy kind of surrealist visions, um, a lot of like uh, really really deep emotions can just kind of like find their way to the surface through that. Uh, it's funny because it's just like basically removing the uh, the uh, the intellect from the process of writing. It's straight from the heart to the mouth, you know. Yeah, I think that's very poignant. And I, I felt like in a lot of ways, it was kind of like calling for people to wake up. While in its sense, you as like the vocalist and saying these words it was almost like you were having an awakening within yourself while just singing these <coughs> words i mean that in itself might sound quite heady but i felt like that's kind of like what you were aiming for with that one i feel that every night man i feel that every time look last night we were, we were playing in the packed room in new york and it's, you know it's the, the paranoia that comes with trying to 
to um, understand um, that that people are interested in listening to your music. You know, because you you, you want to you want to feel it. You want to feel the joy of that. You want, you want to feel happy and stuff like that. And uh, but sometimes it's just it's just so difficult to, to take any of it on. And that that's that's one of the main problems that we're facing now is is trying to kind of just allow ourselves to enjoy what's happening and, and be present for it because it's so surreal. So like every night that we sing that and people are singing it back to me, it's it's just bizarre sort of. You know, uh, self-questioning thing. Like you know, like I'm asking myself, is it too real for me every night? You know. I really love that you point that out, and I kind of brought this up <coughs> a little bit with Wenyang, at least particularly near the end of our talk, because I've been fortunate to travel with a lot of bands and see bands at different stages of their career. Mm. And the interesting thing is kind of like how there's this, um, what's a way to describe it? I would say there's like this call to action to have you be within <laughs> the moment, but you're in an industry and a lifestyle where you almost can't, where you have yeah. to think about the next day, the next week, the next couple months, yeah. and that push and pull is a very peculiar thing that I don't think a lot of people can can relate to unless they see it or at least they have someone relay it to them. It's a very particular kind of thing. Very, very nice to hear someone say that because like, you know, that's that's very empathetic of you, you know, and a, a, lot, a lot of people kind of just like see what you're doing and, and I think, well, you know, you must be very, very happy, like, you know, and, and like, whilst I am very happy, it's just, uh, the, the, there's there's a there's an insane pressure to be happy with something you know and there's an insane pressure to kind of like feel these these things every night so but it helps when you when your lyrics and your music are sort of like you know sort of abstract because then you can apply whatever emotions you're feeling that particular day to it because it's kind of like a it's kind of like a like an empty space you know what I mean in a way you know yeah I, I'm glad you were able to I'm glad you agree with in that sense or at least you yeah know, no, I, I appreciate it saying that actually. no of course absolutely man uh you know I brought up poetry earlier and I feel like a song that encapsulates your approach so well is uh boys in the better land hmm. uh do you remember where your mind was in terms of state of mind when you were writing that one so I think uh when we were writing boys in the better land there was I'm trying to trying to just really put myself back in, in the mind space because it was a while ago um I think a lot of my friends, a lot, a lot of people just around were, were, were leaving the country and um, I was overwhelmed by the sense of sort of like a sense of loss, you know, you know, about the fact that people were leaving, but also a sense of hopelessness about, about where I was, you know, and, and like, is, is, is there anything happening in Dublin? Because, you know, all, all these things were happening with the, with, the, with the government and homeless crisis and there was a lack of jobs there for a while. And the rent rent prices were absolutely criminally sky high. Yeah. A lot of the rents, uh, the landlords were, um, or, or are politicians, you know, um, who who are also controlling the rent prices. Anyway, um, <clears throat> but it was kind of just, uh, I think it was me sort of like subconsciously kicking back at it and sort of saying that the grass isn't necessarily greener on the other side, you know. But it was more of a, it became more than that. It became more like a kind of like a general harangue against. Um, uh, the, the idea of like marketing and, 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 and advertisement of, of things that aren't, you know, they're, they're selling you shit. They're basically selling you the same kind of like culture, same same country wrapped up in yeah. a different shell. They're, they're not, they're not, I'm going on a bit of a tie right here. Yeah. But they're, I, I don't know, man. I, I just, uh, yeah, like the, the idea of, uh, of, of marketing is something that really bothers me, you know, the idea of manipulation. And well, it's very insidious because it's the type of thing that you can't really escape in any type of facet. And what you're describing in some ways, I mean, I just want to point out to some people who are listening who might not be familiar with it, but I think it's both Ireland and Poland that tend to have the most uh, young citizens that move away 
to like really? create yeah to create careers um, elsewhere I think this is a, a poll that was done back in 2016 uh, this is like you know definitely paraphrasing you can look online to find out but I think what that kind of must uh, permeate in some ways in regards to people there is just kind of like this idea that you have to leave to make some of yourselves but in regards to what you just said there that in itself is marketing it's kind of a weird type of thing to have kind of put into your mind in a lot of ways it is absolutely man yeah well, I kind of just I wanted us to not have to do that you know I wanted us to um, turn what we had in our hands to gold you know yeah and uh, you know be happy with that you know yeah well you've done it you know before I let you go here I just want to bring up how later in the year you'll be back here in New York to open up for idols I mean that's really an amazing build I mean they're a band that's about a lot of principles and obviously your band is as well uh, is that a tour that you're keen for I mean are, do you know those guys already just, what do you think about that tour coming up with? yeah man we met them a couple of times and they're just they're insanely kind friendly people very approachable and I think uh, the main reason that I'm looking forward to that is apart from the fact that we'll be able to see a lot of the states you know under the, under, under the guise of uh, you know business you know yeah. uh, is that I uh, will get to hang out with those guys more yeah. Have you met them before? Like, yeah, we have. Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. We, we actually, I think the first time we met them, um, we went to see them, and from the stage they said, uh, everybody should go and listen to Fontaine's DC, they're the best band in the world. Oh, fuck. And, and we were all in the crowd and we just <laughs> fucking high fived each other and jumped up and down. It's great. That's fucking bagger. Well, mate, thanks for finding the time to chat. I'll see That's you again all. in May, and I'm really keen for it. Thanks so for having the time, honestly. Cheers. Like, no, always.